Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, Montana? Happy Monday. Coulter Nuanas. Listen to Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe you're watching in statewide television. If you're watching, you can see I'm rolling solo in studio for now, but a couple great guests going to join me today. First and foremost, this was sort of been the uh, pattern of the summer, but Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com, going to join us to talk a little bit about some of the things he watched over the weekend. The big commitment to the Montana Grizzlies, Caden Hewitt. But more importantly, what does that mean? Last week, the Helena High quarterback choosing the Grizz. Is that indicative of things to come for the Montana in-state recruiting class? We've seen this uh, over the years when the one of the, the primary blue chips commits. Sometimes it's a um, windfall for that program. 4.30, Chad Dundas is going to join me in studio. Chad's become a good friend of the show. He's a Missoula guy, one of the premier uh, mixed martial arts podcasters in the country. Uh, he's worked for outlets like the uh, ESPN.com, The Athletic. He has one of the most prestigious and well-listened-to UFC podcasts anywhere in the country, and uh, he's a Missoula guy. If you hadn't heard over the weekend, the biggest sporting news of the weekend, the fight that really wasn't, Conor McGregor, one of the most polarizing, successful uh, 
and profitable athletes on planet Earth. The fight was over pretty early on because he broke his ankle. I think, I don't know what the official diagnosis was, but a bad lower leg injury break for Conor McGregor and the main event of the UFC. So Chad's going to swing by and tell us all about that. Also, Sugar Shane O'Malley, a Montana native from Helena. He also fought. And uh, we'll get a little preview for what's coming up in the UFC and around the world, uh, the wide world of mixed martial arts uh, for the rest of the summer. And Chad's going to hang out for a little while as well. I have several different things I want to talk to him about. We're going to talk some Olympics, particularly when it comes to Shakari Richardson, the 100-meter runner, the great American sprinter who will not participate in the Olympics because of a failed drug test. Uh, there is... Some crossover with combat sports like boxing and MMA, so we'll get Chad's take on that as well. Uh, Tomorrow night, the All-Star Game, Major League Baseball All-Star Game uh, in Denver. And uh, something I never really thought that we would see, Otani from the Angels. He is going to not only start the game as a pitcher, but also hit leadoff for the American League. He's also participating in the Home Run Derby. So um, what a story. Is it the thing that baseball needs to save the sport? Are we even to that point where baseball needs saving? I know that it's it's uh, it's gained some traction a little bit, but if Shohei Otani isn't the next superstar, then who can be? Who can be the the player or the brand or whatever it might be that leads baseball back truly into the big three? Because right now it's the NFL alone in first, the NBA alone in second. And Major League Baseball and, and hockey probably there, sitting there tied for third. I think Major League Baseball is probably slightly more popular, especially in when you talk about regionally. If you live by a big city or in a big city, it's way easier to follow Major League Baseball. Uh, but if uh, I guess the point is, though, if Otani can't do it, if he can't make the, the Los Angeles Angels fully relevant, who can't? So we'll talk about that uh, as well. And I also want to get Chad's perspective on name, image, and likeness as well. Chad's a thoughtful guy, and uh, I know he has opinions about a lot of stuff. He still follows college sports pretty heavily um, because of his ties as as a Missoulian and a guy that covered the Grizz for a long time as well. So uh, we'll look forward to Chad Dundas joining us in studio about 4.30. You want to listen or watch anywhere else uh, besides your traditional radio or your TV? You can go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. There you'll find the stream. You want to get a hold of us? You want to be involved in the show? 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can call that or text that number, and all guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. I got to talk just a few details about Brooke Stainer uh, and the great performance she had at the Class AA track and field meet that then was shrouded in controversy. We have not talked much about that. Brooks Nuanas from Skyline Sports uh, MT.com will join us here in about two, two and a half minutes. Uh, but quickly with Brooke Stainer, we have not talked about this very much on this show uh, because Brooke Stainer is an outstanding high school athlete at Missoula Sentinel. Um, she's a minor, and so I didn't feel that comfortable talking about controversies that were in the court of law that are involving a high school student. But also, more importantly, I wanted to make uh, the accomplishments of both Brooke Stainer as well as the Missoula Sentinel uh, girls track team the story coming out of the Class AA meet. They were the team champions. She was a, a dominant individual performance for Brooke Stainer. Gold medals in the 300-meter hurdles, the 100-meter hurdles, and the long jump. She also scored points in the 200 meters and ran legs on teams that placed in both the 4x100-meter and the 4x400-meter relay. So uh, one of the great performances in the history of the Class AA meet. Because of the some of the uh, eligibility standards, you can compete in a certain amount of events at divisionals, and then you can compete in a different number of events at state. 
There's also pre-qualifying marks in Montana now. The point is the Brooks Stainer had previously qualified in a couple events, therefore then was on the heat sheet for, I believe, six or even seven events at the Western AA Divisionals. She only competed in four. The controversy came about when she was standing on the infield during the, the mile relay. She was not one of the four girls that was set to run. She was there, though. She probably should have been removed, but, but there's... Um, in-person uh, you know, eyewitness accounts of her not competing in anything but the four events. Well, an injunction was filed, and there was a chance that she might not be able to participate in state. Well, that was put on hold. This case has been delayed. This The, the whole point of this is that Brooke Stainer and Missoula Sentinel, uh, the case was thrown out today. It was dropped. So Brooke Stainer will be still the state champion in all those events, and Missoula Sentinel still your Class AA uh, state champions as well. Uh, Craig Bettler, Missoula Sentinel uh, track and field coach. He's a good friend of this show, and he communicated with me about this uh, quite a bit. And there was some logistical things. There were some specific details that were sort of unique to the situation. But at the end of the day, again, the reason we have not talked about this that much on this show has nothing to do with anything besides the fact that I wanted to make it about the kids. I wanted to make it about the positivity. And so uh, that's what we've done. And now the case Thrown out, so Brooke Stainer remains your state champion in the 300-meter hurdles, the 100-meter hurdles, and the long jump. Missoula Sentinel remains your state champion uh, in the um, Class AA team uh, race as well. So Sentinel sweeps the boys and girls state championships uh, in Class AA track and field, and that is officially official now with the Brooke Stainer case being thrown out. Brooks Nuana, SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm going to join us here in just a quick minute. Uh, this is Nuanas Now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Or maybe you're watching in statewide television, uh, SWX Montana TV. Uh, again, Chad Dundas is going to swing by here about 4.30, and uh, we're going to talk all things MMA. We're going to talk about uh, Conor McGregor, Sugar Shane O'Malley, and uh, we will also talk uh, a variety of other um, topics like legacies of athletes, Shote Otani, I was where Shakari Richardson, uh, and how that might trickle into boxing, MMA, combat sports, all those things. I uh, also want to get Chad's perspective on name, image, and likeness. One thing I'm going to ask my brother about once he joins us here in just a minute is the big news of last week, which was Caden Hewitt, the uh, outstanding quarterback from Helena High, committing to the Montana Grizzlies. He's widely considered the top recruit. Uh, in the state of Montana, and uh, a guy that's a three has, comes with a three star ranking. Oh, sounds like Brooks is on. So we welcome now Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com, and we'll start there. Brooks, Caden uh, Hewitt last week commits. I know that neither one of us has got that much of a chance to dive in. I did watch him live twice last year. Uh, he, he's kind of what you'd expect from his specs: a six foot four, two hundred five pound quarterback. He's got a good arm, throws well on the run, a uh, good mobility. But here nor there, I don't want to evaluate the actual prospect himself as much as the scenario. You have Bobby Houck coming into year three at the University of Montana. Um, the fourth season, I got year four technically, but season three, Houck has made a lot of inroads despite not beating the Bobcats since his return in the in-state recruiting battle. Uh, Bobby's getting a lot of guys that I, I think that sort of define what make up the rosters that he likes, particularly with the Montana and local flavors. But we've seen this in the past, particularly now, even in Montana, a rural state where kids are very connected, where they uh, still, uh, they're talking a lot via social media, via text, all that stuff. So... Um, we've seen the first domino in state fall 
in Montana State's favor several times during the Jeff Choate era, uh, once or twice over the last five years in the Montana era as well. Uh, but sometimes, though, it seems like that guy becomes a pawn or he has an influence. Like when Troy Anderson commits to the Cats, other guys from around the state maybe want to commit to the Cats. So Montana State has had a ton of momentum in this rivalry in a lot of different fashions when it comes to the football side of this thing. But it seems like Bobby Houck's making good progress. So what do you think of Bobby Houck stealing the big and big-armed QB from the capital city? Yeah, I think it's a good give. And as you talked about, I think some of the best recruiting classes are built within internally, within the, the players themselves. As you mentioned, you start to self-recruit. These guys, especially nowadays, with all the technology that's in place, these guys start have relationships. They start talking to one another as even freshmen, sophomores in high school. You know, they're, they're Instagram friends, they're TikTok friends, and all these things kind of coalesce into one big recruiting pitch for each other. Who do they want to go play with? And that even started, you know, in the early 2000s, late 2000s, early 2010s um, of guys starting to recruit other guys. And I think that you'll start to see that more with some of these Bobby Howe recruiting classes because that's something that he will lean on and has in the past and will continue to lean on, especially as we go into the new age with all this technology. But I think overall, when we talk about a coaching change, sometimes that really has their creative vacuum. A coaching change happens. All of a sudden, the, the team with a little bit more of a tenured coach starts to get more momentum, especially in-state recruiting. I think that's kind of what you're seeing here is a little bit more stability within the program, a longer-term relationship with the recruiters, and Montana comes out with the, with the, with the number one kid in the state. So I think it's a big deal. It is for sure, and there's a lot of optics here. A lot of times the optics are for guys like us, guys that are analyzing this more than, than the actual um, – what the recruit might become, because the fact of the matter is, if you just if you're a Montana kid and you're going to a Montana school, it's what you're going to become almost across the board. There's very few plug and play guys. The Troy Andersons and Gabe Solsters of the world are very rare guys that can be full on contributors right away. Uh, most of it's going to be what you develop into, what, how, what your work ethic is. All that said. The optics here that point towards a positive thing for Montana and uh, maybe a a little bit of a slippage for Montana State are the following. One, Scott Evans, the head coach at Helena High, uh, he's a Montana Western guy and a good friend of Jeff Choate. Well, Jeff Choate's no longer with the Bobcats, and I think consequently, or at least part of the influence, both uh, Scott Evans' kids are going to the University of Montana. One will be a freshman here this upcoming fall camp. The other uh, is a senior at Helena High. I, I, I got the two um, kids mixed up, which name is which, but the one who's going to be uh, a senior this fall, he's good friends with Caden Hewitt. So that's a good uh, recruiting ploy by Bobby Houck. But more than that, though, you have a guy that had former Montana State connections now sending three of his players to Montana. Helena has always been a great battleground in the in-state recruiting battle, so it's a good thing for Montana to put a flag down in that regard. But I think more impactful than any of it, Caden Hewitt was on this show last Friday. And I asked him point blank specifically. I said, hey, Brent Vegan comes with a great uh, quarterback acumen, a great record of developing quarterbacks, particularly big, strong-armed, mobile quarterbacks. I mean, Caden Hewitt, he, he's not Josh Allen or Carson Wentz yet, but that is what the – he's the, the very rough, raw version of that. But more than any of that, though, I just think that the fact that Vegan comes with a quarterback acumen and he pitched that to Hewitt – and Hewitt liked it. He said that on this show, that he was very impressed with Vegan and, and the pitch and what he thought uh, he could develop Hewitt into. But all that said, still, Hewitt is cha- choosing Montana instead of Montana State. So I think that there's a lot that goes into this uh, just in terms of the, the overall analysis of this commitment. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, I also think that when you- 
inside the state of Montana, you talk about some of those relationships with Jeff Cho, also B.J. Robertson in that Western Connection. A lot of what Montana State has done in the state of Montana had so much to do with B.J. Robertson, who's now stepped away and, and moving on to a different part of his career. So all of those relationships will always play into it. Um, it'll be interesting to see the next couple dominoes that fall. What does that look like for Montana, Montana State? Um, and a lot of times these, these decisions are these days are made not only on football but on the school. And, and you know, Montana State has made so much headway being a STEM education and focusing on engineering and architecture and all sorts of different things that seem to be a priority in, in young recruits' lives at this exact moment. It'll be interesting to see what these next if football becomes more of the priority as it once was in this state, rather than the educational background and the lifestyle choice that you make between Bozeman and Missoula, which are drastically different. It'll be great to follow. Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com. Joining me, Coulter Nuanas. It's Nuanas now on 1029 ESPN Missoula. We're broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Want to check out all the biggest inventory of trucks in the entire Pacific Northwest? Visit nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. All right, Brooks, I know that you watched some sports this weekend. So before we get into the NBA Finals, give me some of your best because you said you watched. I did not get an opportunity to watch the uh, the international basketball game between Nigeria and the United States, but uh, not uncommon in the modern era where the quote-unquote newest version of the Dream Team drops a game to an upstart country that has not played much, if any, on the national stage or the Olympic stage. But uh, take us through that ball game. It's, I know Nigeria has, like, what, half a dozen NBA guys or something like that? Yeah, there yeah there was four uh, four full blown NBA guys, a couple summer league style guys, a talented team. I think you know inter- international basketball continues to grow. We'll see. There's a, there's an amazing amount of variability with the three point line and how important this is basketball now. But that's becoming international as well. So you know, a team gets hot and hits some threes, especially in a timely fashion. You can get beat pretty quick. That's just the nature of basketball in this day and age. But overall, it was an exhibition game. I, I think you know will always be the it's good for us to lose early thing. I thought it was a pretty bad loss. You know, I think the the uh, team USA looks is really the odd constructed team. Uh, not a lot of big, not a lot of size. The only two really true guys that are going to play are Bam Adebayo and Draymond Green. That's the two fives, which neither of those guys are real natural fives. More you know, small ball fives and kind of modern NBA fives, but on the international stage, not fives. Kevin Love looked old and, and unplayable. Jeremy Grant is a weird ad from the Pistons. Overall, Kevin Durant's on the team, and I think Kevin Durant, come showtime, will we'll start to put up a lot more shots and kind of make a lot of headway. Also, guys that are missing from the team, Drew Holiday for the Bucks, Brooke Lopez for the Bucks, Chris Milton on the Bucks, and Devin Booker, who is still playing in the NBA Finals for the Suns, all of those guys will come back and round out the team. But a small team, oddly constructed, not a ton of ball handlers, um, the Zach Levines of the world, who are just volume scorers, don't really need, seem to fit this style of team. Really odd. I thought it was one of the more weird Team USA games I've watched. So, yeah, a bummer for Team USA, bad start. Uh, Nigeria played pretty darn well. So that was, it was fun to watch, uh, you know, some of those collections, almost like an all-star style team. Uh, so it was fun to get to watch that. Brooks Nuanas, joining me, Coulter Nuanas, here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. Speaking of, the the carryover from the NBA season last year is why this Olympic roster is so, um, how do you say, strangely constructed. So, so shorthanded, for lack of a better way of saying it. But I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about how the art of taking care of your body, the science of it, there's been some marvels in, in pro sports over the years. You know, guys like Nolan Ryan, who pitched for 27 seasons, or guys like Bruce Matthews, who was a starter in the NFL on the offensive line for 20 years. 
But those guys were full anomalies. I mean, they were fully genetic freaks who also, you know, did some things ahead of their time. But this art of, of taking care of yourself perfectly so that you can sort of defy conventional wisdom of how long you play. We've seen guys like Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer do it in, in tennis and, and Serena Williams in women's tennis as well. Um, LeBron James is the greatest example in pro basketball. Tom Brady, obviously, in football. But we've seen almost all of these people now sort of reach this the, the, the finite point. Tom Brady's the only one that's still defying conventional wisdom. And so what do you think of that phenomenon, just the fact that we get we have the, all these people that were basically pioneers of breaking what we believe is the maximum you know, level of longevity that a pro athlete can have. And now it seems that, you know, you can't say Nadal or Federer or, or LeBron are done, but they finally look mortal. And so, I mean, it seems as if this is all, it's not a coincidence that the timing is happening simultaneously. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I talk about it a lot with people in golf, too, you know. I mean, it's the same thing with golf. A sport you should be able to play a long time, and you think there'll be another Tiger Woods. There hasn't been. But as you talk about players increasing their their performance through taking care of their bodies, well, I also think that a lot of this stuff is that these sports are being played at their highest level ever. So if you get better competition and better athletes and they play harder, in theory – your body can get stronger and have more longevity, but still last the same amount because of the exertion you're putting into the sport. I see it so much in the NBA right now. I mean, we're talking about a battle of attrition of hitting the finals. I mean, two teams that have very little playoff experience, let alone no finals experience on either side, and both beaten down to where they have six players that they can play. I think it's just due to the grind. Of course, they had a, a shortened off season, but... I think that the games are being played at a higher level and, and more physical and, and more exertion than ever before. So you talk about some of these legacy people, I think it still has to be somewhat of an anomaly. I don't think it can be created in a lab still. You talk about some of those great players that have played the Nolan Ryans of the world, I think might still have to be a chance of luck. I don't know if it can be created. And in my, my personal opinion, it cannot be. So as the, the level of play continues to go up, I still think that the... The stats will look similar. You know, we score a little bit more in basketball, score a little bit more in football, but overall, the stuff will look similar just due to players eat each other away. You know, this kind of the idea of cannibalizing your competition um, in, in, into a, the lack of ability to continue that longevity. So, it, as sports get more progressed, I still think that we're going to see a lot of the similar outcomes. It's so interesting because it's just like the Kobe Bryant line when Kobe first tore his Achilles. He said, it's not the specific injury or the surgery or the rehab that is going to hold me back from ever getting back to the level I was at. It's the break in the conditioning. And I think that's the point you're saying with guys like LeBron James. LeBron James, now that he is a full-grown adult man that's living a, you know, a dad life outside of his life as a professional athlete, he's probably in as good a physical conditioning and as good a health as he's ever been in his life. Tom Brady certainly is. He's more athletic and lean and flexible and spry than he's probably ever been. And there's no, because there's never been a break in the conditioning, it's where you can't train at the absolute highest level each day, every day, day in and day out, where then it becomes unsustainable. You, can, you can't get back to that point because you have so much time off. Brooks Nuanas, SkylineSportsMT.com, joining us here on Nuanas now. Let's talk NBA playoffs. Let's talk NBA finals. Last night, the Bucks a huge response. I think it was expected. Milwaukee's really good at home. Uh, trailing 2 nothing with uh, two pretty 
how do you say, decisive performances by the Suns in Phoenix. Uh, but Milwaukee looked good last night. Giannis Antetokounmpo looked great. Uh, he's certainly better at shooting free throws when he's on his home court than he, he is uh, when he's away. But either way, uh, it was a must-have for the Bucks. but they got it done last night. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, they're 7-1 and one at home, now 8-1 and one, and 5-7 and seven on the road. Uh, they looked good, man. I, I thought game one was decisive, but I would t- I would push back a little bit and say that game two, I thought that the Bucks had a lot of chances. Definitely late. They were only down six with five minutes to go um, there in Phoenix. I thought the, the, the Bucks played really well last night. I mean, Giannis had one of the top ten playoff performances of all time, or finals performances of all time, that, in my opinion. I mean, 41 and 13. Uh, he's shooting 79% in the paint during the finals, which is the highest clip of all time with over 30 attempts. I mean, Giannis is putting his stamp down as I think all of us, including me, thought that there is a there's a ceiling for this guy. His physical gifts, his dominance, at some point, if you make him shoot threes, if you build the wall. Well, guess what? You can't build the wall against Giannis, this Suns team at least. There is no ability for them to build the wall. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, for the first time in two in three playoff series, got into foul trouble. He, he was out for almost a 10-minute stretch, and the Bucks looked dominant. Um, without their backup of Dario Sar- Saric, I mean, Dario Saric might be the linchpin to the Bucks winning the finals. I mean, the Bucks have now have a – to me, if they take care of business at home, they're right back in the, what I would call the driver's seat, even though it's very, very even still. The Suns have home court. The Bucks have all the momentum in the world. And without Dario Saric as a backup center for DeAndre Ayton, when Ayton gets off the court, there's no one that can stop Giannis. They can triple team him, and they're putting six six guys on him, and there's no chance. So I thought Giannis played really impressive. Chris Middleton struggled a bit. Uh, Drew Holiday played better. You know, he put up 10 threes. He hadn't been shooting the ball very well. Um, so he had a Drew Holiday game, but he didn't have a Chris Middleton game. You have Giannis put up such an impressive performance. I mean, it's only the third time in NBA history, uh, only the third guy to ever go 40 and, 50, and 40 and 13 is what he went. But over 40 and 10 and five, five assists. Only three guys ever. And, you know, that's we always talk about those lists. You're, you're talking about like Kareem and, and Jerry West. You know, that's about it. Um, so Giannis is putting his stamp as a real time, big time uh, playoff performer. I was so darn impressed, especially with his ability to come back from that horrific knee injury. I mean, that knee injury was the real deal. That was only two weeks ago. And, you know, and he's playing at such a high clip right now. Uh, they have a lot of momentum, especially with uh, with, with Sorry General for the Suns. It's such a good point with Dario Saric. Uh, Brooks Nuanas joining us here on Nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas, talking all things NBA Finals here on Nuanas now. And, and the Saric injury is absolutely critical because Aiton, he's still going through what a lot of young big guys go through where you ride the highs, but you also have to deal with the lows. And sometimes the lows are... Uh, they're de- I mean, they, they just, they're devastating in terms of your inability to perform on a top-notch mental level. And so uh, when Aiton gets down or when he gets in foul trouble, sometimes he needs, um, he needs a breather, he needs a reset, whatever it might be. And so it, without Sarge, then the Suns have no rim protection. And uh, it, it is. It's, it's a much bigger injury than people are giving it credit for. All that said, you mentioned those great statistics for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Well... It's an impressive performance so far, to be sure. But in this series, he it's almost as if he has to score 40 and then everybody else has to make shots as well. I, I really just don't know. He's got to be the, the guy that sets the foundation, but it's still going to come down to the rest of the, the Bucks, particularly you know some of their key role guys knocking down shots, right? 
It does. It does. But we've seen, I'm, I'm not saying that this is the first finals that has some fringe bench players that are getting playing a lot. You know, we've seen a lot of LeBron teams with, with, yep. with some pretty bad rosters out there. Make, but Pat Connington playing 30 minutes in the finals, I mean, it seems right. ludicrous. P.J. Tucker, Tucker playing 30 minutes in the, in the finals, I mean, you know, he can't even get a, a positive plus minus. I mean, he's going like, I think he scored seven points, you know. That part's really interesting. But on the other side for the Suns, if Aiton is out, if they can, if they can neutralize DeAndre Aiton at all, the Bucks have so much momentum, it's crazy. Aiton is now the X factor of this entire series. Devin Booker is as well. Right now, Devin Booker scored 10 points yesterday, and he's only shot five free throws in the NBA Finals, including zero last night. Why do you think that is? Playing with a broken nose and no mask. You think a guy wants to go in and get even more injured, maybe knocked out of a game due to a hard foul? So Devin Booker's lack of ability to be able to attack the rim at all is going to be huge as well. And the amazing part about Giannis is that he's doing it on both ends of the floor. I mean, his defensive performance right now is insane. One of the best defensive players in the league. We've all known that. But for him to suffer that injury, a little bit of lack of conditioning there, as you mentioned, even one or two days off, these guys start to lose their wind a bit. And to put up back-to-back 40-point games while being the linchpin on defense is so darn impressive. It's so impressive to be sure. And the Devin Booker point is well taken as well because I'm so interested. He has been among, if not the breakout stars of this NBA playoffs. I'm just so interested if he can fight through it because he has been rolling. He's been red hot, but now he's kind of got knocked down. And he, I mean, that was among, if not his worst playoff performances of this postseason uh, last night. And so can he bounce back from that? You mentioned the hesitancy because of the nose. It's also just a trying moment for a young guy who hasn't really been in this spot before. So do you believe that he can bounce back? I do, especially at home. And these next, you know, I think games between game six and seven, there's only two games, but every single game for the rest of this finals has three three days between, three days of rest, which is huge for everyone. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Giannis Antetokounmpo, every one of these guys at this point of the season needs rest. Every one of them is banged up to varying degrees. But I do believe in Devin Booker, especially at home. I mean, they'll start, Chris Paul knows what he's doing. Chris Paul will make sure Devin Booker gets involved. I wouldn't be surprised if next game, let's call it maybe, maybe the first game back in Phoenix, game five, if Devin Booker wasn't the leading scorer by a long shot in the game, at least for the Suns, because Chris Paul will make sure and make that happen. Brooks Duanez, we're doing this pretty much every Monday so far this summer. Good having you, my man. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks. Brooks Duana, SkylineSportsMT.com. He's my brother, my business partner. Uh, go check out SkylineSportsMT.com. we got a whole bunch of stuff rolling right now. Football season just around the corner. We're less than two weeks away from Big Sky Media Days. More importantly, though, a gigantic injury over the weekend in UFC to perhaps, well, not perhaps, certainly the most famous name in the sport, Chad Dundas, is going to join us here in just a minute to talk all things UFC, all things MMA. Back on Nuanas now right after this. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate.
What's up, Montana? Hope you're partying all the way through the summer. It's going by way too fast already, but that's uh, sort of the way it goes around here. Welcome back to Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. If you're watching in, SWX Montana Television. We're broadcasting Nuanas Now from the Northwest Motorsports Studio here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Northwest Motorsport, located at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in Missoula. They boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Trucks, trucks, and more trucks. That's their slogan, and they're not lying. So go check them out today. You can also visit nwmsrocks.com. Happy now to welcome back in, good buddy of this show now, Chad Dundas. And Chad... I am so admiring of your dedication and uh, feel so um, honored that you would go out of your way to come over here today because we have a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fun conversation, but you had a little bit of an issue uh, coming over here, so... Uh, flat tire? It's been one of those days, Coulter. Uh, <laughs> when you texted me, you said I have a flat tire. I was going to tell you, dude, it's all good. And you said, I'm already in the Uber. Yeah. I said, like, wow, this guy is on it. I mean, we're sports writers. This is what we do. We don't need any prep. We walk in <laughs> That's right. on deadline and we go. That's what happens. It's actually better when you do it like that. My worst shows are when I print uh, the 12-page outline. It's the two-page outlines <laughs> that are the, the best one. Well, I appreciate you making the time and going out of your way. We are uh, certainly excited to have you. For those that haven't been paying attention. Chad's, Chad's been joining us all, you know, once every three weeks or so to talk all things UFC, MMA, and then anything in between that we want to address in the sports world. So we're going to get to the wider world of sports. But first, Chad is the co-host of the Co-Main Event Podcast, which is one of the top uh, mixed martial arts and UFC podcasts in the country. And uh, he's a Missoula guy based here in Missoula now again. But this weekend, I, I guess I'll, I'll pose this as a question. Was this weekend's UFC the biggest ticket UFC of the summer? Because that's kind of what they wanted it to be, right, with Conor McGregor as the headlining fighter. It's probably going to turn out to be one of the biggest events of the year for the UFC, just in terms of uh, attention that it garners and overall pay-per-view buy rate. And, uh, you know, probably an event that they were going to remember at the end of the year, if nothing else. Uh, So, yeah, I do. Like, I think it lived up to the hype in terms of being the big kind of like uh, statement event that the UFC and ESPN wanted it to be. And uh, now we have an awful lot of fallout from an unfortunate injury to Conor McGregor. So I want to talk about that fallout, but first I want to start this conversation with some, uh, I have some questions for you about the phenomenon that is Conor McGregor. I think actually you put this on Twitter uh, the night of the fights. Something along the lines of no matter what sphere you come from, if you follow mixed martial arts, you follow combat sports, that most people were not very sorry to see Conor McGregor. I think they were sorry if they ordered the pay-per-view that they didn't get a fight, uh, hardly any of a fight, for their money. But there just seems like there's an unbelievable amount of vitriol towards this guy. I have a lot of thoughts as to why, but I'll, I'll let you start. What is it about McGregor that makes him so resoundingly hated? Well, Conor McGregor has been a singular personality since he arrived in the UFC back in 2013. And for a long time, he was pretty well liked in the sport. And Well, see, I don't remember that part. Well, okay. dur- during his rise to power, let's say, sure, on sure. The, when he was a, an up-and-coming featherweight contender during his first few UFC cards, they called him Mystic Mac and everyone praised his... Uh, his business acumen, his his mm-hmm. fight IQ, his ability to market himself. Uh, you know, we called him a genius on these various different levels. 
Uh, and then, you know, once he won those two UFC titles at featherweight and lightweight and then fought Floyd Mayweather to make a life-changing amount of money, some things kind of shifted for Conor McGregor. And he's only fought in the UFC four times now since 2016. And he has been linked to a lot of outside-the-cage scandals. You know, he's been accused of sexual assault by a couple of different women. Uh, there was a video of him punching a 50-year-old man in a bar in Ireland. He's uh, stomped on a guy's cell phone outside a high-class hotel in Miami. He's just... It's very Mike Tyson-esque, right? I think he probably fancies himself sort of a Mike Tyson-style figure, but... He just doesn't seem to handle downtime very well, and he's had all of these like, <laughs> true. considerable scandals. And over the course of that, he's also suffered a bunch of losses in the UFC. He's one in three in his last four fights. He lost to Habib Nurmagomedov when they fought for the title back in 2018, and now he's lost to Dustin Poirier twice. And so some of this stuff plays a lot better when you're winning, and just in terms of the trash talk and the way that Conor McGregor behaves both in and outside the cage now. Uh, but I think it, it's mostly linked to the attitude and the the scandals that he's been linked to outside of MMA. Sort of why I think a lot of people at this point are tired of Conor McGregor's shtick. At least hardcore MMA fans are. And every time he fights, it's a big spectacle and a bunch of casual fans come to watch the event and ESPN makes it a big deal. They bring Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman sure. and uh, Teddy Atlas on to talk about it. And MMA fans, for, for better or worse, are a little bit territorial. You know, uh, they will they will sniff out an imposter from miles away. And so anytime there's all this casual attention on the, on the sport, I think they resent it a little bit. And so Conor McGregor has all of those things working against him at this point in his UFC career. I think that's why he's such a fascinating character. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas. It's Nuanas now. So I have a follow-up question about this because the NFL now has reached a point where the st- the storylines, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad. People are so enthralled with the NFL. It doesn't matter how any of the players behave off the field from a social or legal perspective. Antonio Brown can just be straight off his rocker for a whole offseason. And it's not good, but it's still getting the NFL publicity. The storylines. Even if you're tired of Tom Brady, the villain, you're tired of, of this guy winning everything, you're tired of you know whatever you want to call them, spoiled, misbehaved athletes, all of these different things. Guys holding out. Aaron Rodgers being Mr. Drama Queen this whole offseason. All of it. The NFL still wins every day of the week. There is no bad publicity for the NFL because they're leading – Sports Center every single day, no matter what, even if it's the middle of the offseason. So is this uh, sort of polarizing reputation that McGregor has, it's still good for the UFC overall, though, isn't it? Or where do you stand? Is it good for the UFC? I, You know, he certainly does big pay-per-view numbers every time he fights, and that is good for the UFC. But anymore, the UFC's fortunes are so not tied to the specific fortunes of any individual or really any group of fighters just because the UFC's business model has changed so much over Mm -hmm. the last five Mm -hmm. or six years. Now that the UFC is on ESPN, it makes most of its money through the licensing and broadcast agreements that it signed with ESPN. It gets paid a flat fee to do a certain number of content hours and a certain number of events for ESPN Plus every year. Now that the pay-per-view events are exclusively broadcast through ESPN, they also get paid like a flat licensing fee for each one of the pay-per-views. Now, if they sell more pay-per-views, 
those payments are escalated, so it still behooves them to sell as many pay-per-views as they, as they can. But, like, the UFC is such a juggernaut at this point. $900 million in revenue during 2019 and 2020, 40% profit margins, between 350 and $400 million in pure profit each of those years. It doesn't matter to them. Like, they would they rather have Conor McGregor winning fights and and commanding huge pay-per-view audiences? Probably, but only if it's not going to be a hassle for them to put the fights together. Is it better if he wins or loses? Well, just in terms of what happened over the weekend, I feel like it's kind of, in a weird way, better for Conor McGregor that he suffered this injury. Because he was going to, I mean, in this fight, he was. this was the first time where he was expected to get whipped, right? Yeah. He, I mean, that was sort of the secondary thought on Twitter, right? Was the first thought was, well, we don't like this guy anyways. Screw him. Uh, the second thought was, I want my money back for my pay-per-view. But then the third thought was, well, Conor McGregor got off easy here because I think that uh, Dustin Poirier might just destroy this guy. Well, and Conor McGregor gets to add an extra payday. Like, he, right. he gets paid for UFC 264, which happened on Saturday. I think they did something like 1.7 or 1.8 million pay-per-view buys, so he's going to get a lot of money for that. And then he's going to be able to come back at some point, we think, depending on, a lot, on how a lot of stuff shakes out, and fight Dustin Poirier for a fourth time, which is kind of outrageous because at this point— we can conclusively prove that in 2021, Dustin Poirier is just a better mixed martial arts fighter than Conor McGregor, but it's going to make everybody a lot of money. So Dustin Poirier will be into it. Conor McGregor will be into it. The UFC will be into it. And so if, if the stars align properly, depending on how long it takes Conor to come back from this broken leg, they will fight a fourth time. Chad Dundas joining me. Coulter Nuanez here in studio talking all things UFC and MMA here on Nuanez now. I have more questions about Conor McGregor. So we're going to take a break real quick. What does it take for a guy that makes this much money who's no longer in his prime to continue to stay motivated? I'm so interested in that element of it. Chad will tell you more why right after this. Sports Bet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sports Bet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Montana. Welcome back to Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television around the great state of Montana. Thanks for hanging out, kicking it with us on a Monday. Hope you had an outstanding weekend. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuanas. It's the Northwest Motorsport Studios. NWMSRocks.com. Go check that out if you want to see the largest inventory of trucks 
anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. They're new to Missoula, so you can also swing by the lot as well, the corner of Stevens and Mount here in Missoula. So go check them out. They have an endless supply of trucks, the best inventory in town, and proud sponsors of the Nuanez Now studio. Chad and I talking all things MMA. He is the uh, co-host of the Co-Main Event Podcast. Also done a lot of writing when it comes to the UFC uh, and MMA in general for various national outlets. And he's a Missoula native as well. So, Chad, I want to continue to ask you about Conor McGregor because I do think that uh, the phenomenon that he is is so interesting. He's so polarizing. He brings so many eyes, especially casual eyes, to the UFC. Uh, He's one of those rare athletes that's broken through. Uh, to be a, co- a pop culture, uh, I don't know if, if icon is. I would go as far as icon, but he is certainly known in the pop culture world. You know, if you're just a man on the street game, he's the only UFC person that just a random person could name. And so much of that's because of his marketing and his branding and his endorsements and all that. But you mentioned the fact that he was widely respected, at least from a fighting perspective, pretty for for most of his time in the UFC. But then now he's slipped from just a success in the octagon standpoint. That said, his earnings are still sky high. Part of that is because of his sale of his whiskey company. But I just want to know if there's a breaking point here because it seems to me if you're not fully dedicated to the training of this sport, that that is a recipe for disaster. And where does your motivation lie when you're making $150 million uh, without ever even winning a fight? Yeah, that's the multi-million dollar question now for right. Conor McGregor is how he returns from this. And look, like that's the story in and around this rivalry with Dustin Poirier to begin with. These guys fought for the first time in 2014 when they were both still young fighters, still developing athletes, and Conor McGregor uh, won by first-round knockout. But since then, Dustin Poirier has become uh, one of the most incredible like evolutionary stories inside the UFC because Dustin Poirier is about that life. Mm-hmm. He is in the gym at American Top Team in Florida, which is one of the best MMA camps in the world, with a bunch of murderers every day. That's what he does. That's his life. He lives in Louisiana, but when he's in camp, he goes to Florida and he competes uh, with the best MMA fighters in the world. And through that process over the last decade or so and moving up to lightweight I think helped him because now he doesn't have to cut as much weight he's transformed himself into like a gritty tough well-rounded dominant MMA fighter meanwhile Connor has a lot of other stuff going on in his life like he's uh, had sold his whiskey company just bought an, a pub in Ireland mm-hmm. and like likes to just go around the world on his yacht and for better or for worse Connor has always been somewhat loyal to his training camp in Dublin uh, SBG Ireland where he started and with his coach John Cavanaugh and Owen Roddy who's his striking coach and he just like he hasn't gotten outside that comfort zone very much so while Dustin Poirier made himself uncomfortable in a lot of ways in order to get better. Conor McGregor has, up until this fight maybe, in terms of skills, I think you could say kind of stayed with his team, kept it around his home, and and just kind of did what he did and like was pretty successful over a long period of time doing that. But then people are going to figure you out, man. There's just enough... Uh, film study and enough attention and people are so smart in this game and there's so many different ways to lose that if you're not going to improve at all times, other people are going to catch you. And that's what happened in the Dustin Poirier rivalry and that's why Dustin Poirier now has two straight wins over Conor McGregor. So now, to answer your question a little bit more specifically, Conor McGregor has to go rehab from this terrible leg break that he suffered on Saturday night and come back and 
you know, time only will tell as to how he's able to come back and what state he's able to come back and what kind of fights he's going to be interested in when he comes back. I think I can stay, say with all confidence, though, like this guy has an incredible ego and he really is motivated right. around legacy and competition, I think, more than a lot of people think that he is. And if he gets a chance to, to fight Dustin Poirier again, he will. But he's also going to have other options like fighting Nate Diaz for a third time, sure. which would be a big money fight that would probably, uh, you know, maybe not be quite as a tough a fight for Connor. Uh, people still want to box him if the UFC allows him to do that. So he's going to have some options and how he will return and how good he will be when he comes back is is a big question mark. Chad Dunn is joining me, Coulter Nuanas here on Nuanas now, talking UFC, MMA, everything in between. I So tell me this. There's only a few characters in combat sports that have reached this sort of breakout level of fame like McGregor. You mentioned he might be even fancies himself like a Mike Tyson. Well, before Tyson was dating Robin Givens and judging beauty pageants and traipsing around the globe and spending all his money and then subsequently getting knocked out by Buster Douglas, Tyson was knocking people out. Tyson was winning the title earlier than anybody and then defending the title with as much ferocity as anybody ever. And it seems to me that most guys that have reached this status level, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. included, maybe Oscar De La Hoya, I don't know. Uh, There's a a few guys that have done it. They've done it through success first. What is McGregor, why has McGregor climbed so high? Maybe I wasn't paying attention as much as I should have when he was first climbing up because to me, he's just been this... uh, this character that is is very average when it comes to the UFC. I, I don't I don't have really very many memories of him dominating uh, nowhere close to like a Tyson or even any of these other sort of brand name breakout combat sports figures. If you only learned about Conor McGregor when he fought Floyd Mayweather, I'm not just right. saying this specifically about you. Sure, but like sure, all, sure. All these casual fans that yeah, yeah. Now follow McGregor, what you have seen him do. Is lose to Floyd Mayweather right. in a boxing match, lose to Habib Nurmagomedov in the UFC where he got choked out in the fourth round. And Habib, uh, and Habib, Habib was like a crazed maniac in that fight. And it was a bad look for McGregor, but a great moment for Khabib. Yeah, uh, he beat Donald Cerrone, who at that point was yep. in his late 30s and was definitely on the downslope of his career. And then he lost twice to Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. So you've seen him lose four fights and win one against a guy that it seemed like it was set up for him to win. Right. So far, that doesn't seem like it's really impacted Connor's drawing power. I don't know what will happen when he returns from this injury. But if you rewind the clock all the way back to when he arrived in the UFC in 2013, all the way up to when he won the lightweight title, really, in 2016, he was very good, especially as a featherweight at 145 pounds. Uh, He was... You know, he beat some future stars like Max Holloway. He beat Dustin Poirier. He knocked a bunch of people out. And then at UFC 194 in December of 2015, he just shocked everyone by beating Jose Aldo, who up to that point had been an extremely dominant 145-pound champion for the UFC, by knocking him out in 13 seconds with one punch. And it was an amazing kind of like a breakthrough moment for McGregor. You know, then you fast forward to 2016 and the UFC allowed him to move up to lightweight. He fought Eddie Alvarez for the title. I think a lot of people kind of thought McGregor was going to lose. He just worked Eddie Alvarez, man. Just beat the tar out of him uh, and won by second round TKO. And so he's been very good. That was kind of the high point, though. 2016, Mm -hmm. when he became the first person in UFC history to hold two belts in two different weight classes at the same time. That was sort of like the pinnacle moment for him, and then he went off to fight Floyd, and since he's come back, he hasn't been as, as successful in MMA. I'm just so interested to see 
because he has been as successful as ever from a brand, a persona, a character. He's everywhere. And um, that, I mean, that's ind- indicative of the $150 million he earned last year. But it was always my thought, and again, I don't mean to continue to c- double back with the Tyson comparisons because I do think objectively, athletically, they're widely different. But it's the it's the phenomenon of the sideshow that is sort of similar. But Tyson, to me, when he lost to Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson beat himself. Mike Tyson's lack of... I mean, Mike Tyson was a legendary trainer with a legendary trainer, and those things went away. He didn't have the bumpers in his life. So you just wonder... You know, even if you're not living unsavory, but it seems as if McGregor probably is to at least a certain extent. But either way, the more commercials you shoot, the more cameos you're doing, the more smack you're talking on every interview in the world, it seems like it just distracts you from the level that you need to train at to ever be become. I mean, is he ever going to be a champion again? I just don't see it. I think that the consensus is among people who cover MMA that he really needed to beat Dustin Poirier in this fight to have a good chance to become a champion again because had he won, the UFC certainly would have boosted him into a lightweight title fight against Charles Oliveira, who's the 155-pound champion. But the way the UFC works, you got to remember, it will put Conor McGregor in a title fight if it gets half a chance. Right. So if he comes back from this injury, uh, I wouldn't put it past him if Dustin Poirier becomes the champion. They could just put him straight in a title fight. And I think... And you think Poirier would take it? Poirier would take it because he would make a lot of money. He'd make a lot of money, and I think he has confidence against McGregor, yeah, right? He has no reason to believe he wouldn't just beat Conor again. Uh, there's also been talk about Conor going up to 170, where I think if he got a win or two, uh, they would put him into a title fight immediately. I don't think he could win that fight, but he would get chances. He's going to get chances. I guess that's the bottom line. If he comes back and he's still you know, capable and is able to, to look passable out there in the cage, they'll, they'll continue to give him chances. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television around the great state of Montana. Chad Dundas joining me, Coulter Nuana is in studio, talking all things UFC. Uh, if you hadn't heard UFC over the weekend, Conor McGregor, the main event, uh, he loses to Dustin Poirier, but not because of any sort of uh, anything besides just a bad misstep to uh, with his left foot that it resulted in. What was the actual official injury? Was this, like, was this a compound fracture? or what, what would they actually diagnose the injury as? Just a lower leg injury? Yeah, he suffered a compound fracture of, uh, I believe, his tibia. What's the big bone in yeah. the leg? That yeah. one. And it seemed like now, upon replay, there are some there's some slow motion stuff that makes it seem like maybe he threw a front kick immediately preceding that injury that mm. Dustin Poirier blocked with his elbow. Mm. It might have cracked the bone, and then Connor stepped back mm. on his back foot, and it broke the rest of the way, and he he suffered that injury, which was bad. He had surgery, I think, this morning. was successful. Uh, they're saying they expect a full recovery from him, but I think it's going to be like a lengthy rehabilitation process. Interesting. Well, my brother and I, Brooks Nuanas joining us off the top here on Nuanas Now. We were talking about the the premise of um, elite athletes to, to maintain longevity. It's the glitch in the training that kills you. You are going to medically recover from the injury. Likely, you're going to mentally recover from the physical injury as well. These guys have so much money and resources, and I mean, they're going to have the best. And Conor McGregor is going to have the best surgeon, I'm sure, in the world. Yeah, he's going to have the best physical therapist in the world. He's is, you know, training and everything will get him back to being fully functional. It's that 
glitch in the training though, where you don't, you cannot train like the best in the world for six months. The older you get, the harder it is to chase. That's what Kobe Bryant used to always say. It wasn't his Achilles never hurt him again, and it never affected his mind either. He just never could get back to that top level of shape. So, I mean, is that the biggest obstacle for McGregor? Then is is just uh, reattaining top level of conditioning because he is he's going to be required to miss so much time. Yeah, and MMA is so hard, and there's so many different ways Isn't that to the lose truth? that he has a, uh, some different things working against him. I think first and foremost. It was kind of like the the issue that I was talking about earlier with Dustin Poirier. For McGregor to to come back and return to his previous form, like he's only 32 years old. Athletically, he should be able to do it. One of the questions will be, do you want to go to the gym every day and bleed and sweat and work out as hard as you possibly can against people who can push you and make you better? And for Dustin Poirier, the answer to that question has always been yes. Uh, for Conor McGregor, I think he's a hard worker and he's always very prepared for his fights, but but I don't think he has made choices to surround himself with people who have been able to push him and make him better. Will he do that now? I think he's going to be more motivated than before to come back and prove everybody wrong because that's just how his mind works. Uh, but again, like, is he going to be willing to do it over the long term? That's always kind of been the question with him. And he has so much money and has so many other things going on. Right. Who knows? The other thing that I think is working against Connor is that he's always kind of worked with a limited skill set in mm-hmm. MMA. He's a very powerful left-handed counter striker who is quick and kind of a sniper in terms of accuracy and fights out of a, an unusual, very wide, more like traditional martial arts stance. Uh, but he's never had a tre- tremendous grappling background. He's never had a tremendous submission game. And like people know that now. And if he's not knocking people out with one punch at 155 pounds or 170, which so far it seems like he's not, it gives those people more of an opportunity to exploit those weaknesses. And those weaknesses are really, really hard to close, even for a guy like Connor. So not only would he have to be motivated, he would probably also have to close those holes in his game to beat a lot of the top-level uh, lightweights or welterweights in the world. Chad Dennis joining me, Coulter Nuanas in studio. It's Nuanas now. Our one in the books. I have a couple more UFC MMA type questions for Chad in hour number two, but we're also going to talk about a variety of other things as well, including name, image, and likeness. I actually am going to make you a promise right now. I'm going to ask every person that comes in this studio, besides maybe high school athletes, what they think of name, image, and likeness, because I've done it so far, and every single person gives me a new detail that I hadn't thought of. This thing is absolutely out of control already. Can they get it into control? I'm not really sure, but I want to get Chad's take on that. We're going to talk a little bit about the Big Sky Conference as well, but also want to have a conversation about athletes and longevity, sort of along these lines of what we're talking about with Conor McGregor. So keep it right here. Hour 2 coming at you. Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 